From runasradio.com, you're listening to Run As Radio, the internet audio talk show for IT professionals with Richard Campbell. This is Brandon Wen announcing show number 550, the DSC book, with guest Misty Januszko. Recorded Thursday, September 7th, 2017. Run As Radio is produced each week by Pwop Productions, providing professional media and podcasting services online at pwop.com. You can follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash runasradio. Thank you, Brandon. This is Richard Campbell, and thanks for listening to Run As Radio. My guest today is Misty Januszko, who is an independent IT consultant with more than 20 years of experience as an enterprise hosting architect, large-scale infrastructure designer, and hosted application designer. She specializes in DevOps, automation, and configuration management, DSC, PowerShell, and Active Directory, and has a broad experience across the entire line of Microsoft Business Technologies. And Missy is the co-author of the DSC book with Dawn Jones, that Microsoft MVP. And she is also a conference speaker on DSC-related topics. Welcome. Thanks, Richard. Thanks for coming on the show. It's great to be here today. Well, I'm excited to see... The, actually, the book's been out for a few months now, right? Came out in May of uh, 2017. I think we actually finished it somewhere around the end of the year last year, and we've been doing updates to it since the beginning of the year. Well, and of course, Lean Pub is never finished, right? There's always something to do, something to add, because the product keeps changing on you too. Yeah, Lean Pub is actually a pretty cool publishing tool in that it's basically agile publishing. Hmm. So as the technology changes, we can just make changes to the book. And anybody who's picked it up, gets the new version automatically. That's right. And I get to set my own price within certain constraints. Within certain constraints. We'll send a minimum price for the book. And then if you want to contribute more and we can write more and it's always an option. I, I mean, I kind of like that because it is this is kind of a sense of a living document that there's more to do. There's obviously more things. Considering you guys were working on it last year, then that was PowerShell 5 and PowerShell 6 is kind of imminent. And I anticipate probably... Um, a pretty significant change coming up with PowerShell 6 for the book because I assume DSC is going to change with PowerShell 6. Yeah. I haven't actually played very much with the beta version of PowerShell 6 because I'm kind of in that, uh, how shall I say, IT operations mode of waiting for something to stabilize before <laughs> I start playing with it too much. I'm afraid that I might get involved with things that end up not being in the product and then you know, then I'll be disappointed. So yeah, we've only got so much time to to research. I mean, that's one of the reasons I make a podcast is an opportunity to talk to smart people about what I should be looking at next. I don't know what we regret more, this idea that we missed the bandwagon on something new that was coming out or that we jumped in too early and it all went away or completely changed on us. Just like when they released PowerShell 5. <laughs> what, what happened in PowerShell 5 that hit you? PowerShell 5 had some pretty significant DSC-related changes, especially I think the one that took everybody by surprise was some changes to the infrastructure requirements for encrypting credentials hmm. in DSC. There were some changes to what the certificate for encryption needed to look like. And it, the changes at first weren't really that well documented. So getting that to actually work right when it was released was kind of a challenge. And they really didn't document it up front saying, look, this is what's going to be different here. No, not up front at all. Oh, man. The documentation is actually really 
awesome right now. But in the beginning, you know, agile programming even implies that, you know, you're going to release the code and the documentation comes later. Right. But as long as it comes, but it, that also then encourages you to wait until the documentation comes along or until folks like you take it on and go, hey, this thing around certificate storage, this is really going to bite you. Do these are the right things to do. Right. And did it work out that way? Like you actually just revise the certificate store, use the new rules and things were good? You have to use a different, I believe it was the enhanced key usage that needed to be for document encryption. Right. So you would actually have to deploy a new certificate for use for encrypting your MOF files. If you were using PowerShell 4, you would have had to do that. That would be a pretty significant infrastructure change. It's interesting to think about the configuration files for DSC as just documents that need to be managed properly and secured. And I mean, it, it makes total sense because it is essentially a manifestation of your infrastructure. It is, but it's also a plain text file. Right. Well, that's supposed to be an asset. Right. It's easy to read, easy to understand. Easy to read, in theory, easy to manage. Right. Technically, if and you wouldn't really want to do this, but you could go and edit it with a text editor. Yes, you could. You really shouldn't. You really shouldn't. <laughs> that's what DSC and PowerShell is for. Right. So you use the tooling to do the modifications and then certificates just guarantee that the file you made is still the same file. It hasn't changed on you. Well, the certificates are actually for if you need to include credentials mm -hmm. in your MOF file right. to define your configuration. If you need to run something through DSC that doesn't use the local system account and you need to provide elevated credentials, you can encrypt those credentials in your MOF files. That's good. So then they're not plain text. You don't want them plain text. Right. And then, you know. Well, it's still, it still looks like text. Yeah. But that credential piece is encrypted. Yeah, a little tougher to read. You certainly can't steal it <laughs> unless you have the private key. Right, right. So that, that's a good thing. But that's just one little interesting aspect of change. Do you have any sense of what's coming up for PowerShell 6 is, that could be an issue like this, or is, is it not clear yet? I don't have a clue. Yeah, well, that's fair. You know, it's it's hard to know. They, there's so many moving parts there. And in theory, they're doing this in public. Mm -hmm. But actually keeping up with what's happening on GitHub, for, for it's, it's hard. There's just so much going on any given day. I can barely even keep up with what they're doing in the DSC resource kit in, for five. <laughs> I mean, the DSC resource kit probably releases new resources, I'm going to say, every month. Right. Yeah, no, it, I'm looking at the list. It's pretty much every single month. It's nonstop, constant changes. It's uh, it's overwhelming. Like just to, to keep track of everything that's going on at any given time with the uh, from the just from the PowerShell blog. PowerShell and DSC is really no different from any other technology changes. I mm -hmm. mean, look at you have containers and microservices and all these new things that are that are coming out every day. That everything is constantly changing in IT. Yeah, absolutely. And, and and it's always a question of whether it's actually getting better. I'm looking at the resource kit release for August. We're recording this in early September. So this is pretty much brand new. 10 new modules, closing 74 issues. So it's just so much work being done that it's... It's a lot of change and a lot of good work done by the, by the DSC community and by Microsoft to make this DSC thing better and better every day. So considering where DSC is at the moment, 
do you feel it mature enough? Like, are we crazy not to be using this just to manage the, the state of our servers? Or is it only for particular cases? I think that if you're managing a Microsoft server and you're managing it and you're building it using manual procedures, mm -hmm. you are crazy not to be using DSC because right. it could be so much easier and so much faster and so much more reliable. I mean, think about it. If you define your configuration using code and you have to deploy... I don't know, hundreds or thousands of servers. And maybe, maybe they're all the same. Maybe they're, maybe some of them are different, but you can at least guarantee that your servers are all the same when they come out of that code. Now, you know, DSC allows you to do the apply and autocorrect. So not only can you ensure that they're all the same coming out when they're built, but that they stay that way. Right. And that's the that configuration drift concept that stuff's going to might be inserted onto it. Stuff may be changed inappropriately, and you you now know because you're, you're able to validate it. And configuration drift is is kind of a funny topic because you know you have say support folks maybe who are going in and changing or correcting drift, or maybe they're forcing drift to happen as you know, a, a client reports an issue and they go to fix it. And now your server is not the same as what you have defined in your code. Is that just someone not following process that there, there should be a mechanism for them to make a change that isn't considered drift? Well, it wouldn't be considered drift if that change is then actually fed back into the configuration itself. Right. This is just a way to catch that we're changing things in a way that's not reliable and, and intelligent. It should be part of the script so that then it can be redeployed properly. So it's important to keep that second piece of, of the feedback in your process where if you are changing a configuration as a result of a, you know, a support call or something like that, that that information gets fed back into your configuration. Otherwise, your... DSC configuration may detect that that's a drift and change it back. Right. Make your fix go away. And then, then you have back to an unhappy customer in theory. So it's yeah, funny that iteration, it, it, it actually encourages good process right, and good procedure following that you keep those, those changes in place. I also like that that now gives you a better service ticket path too. This concern came from a customer. It manifests itself as this change to this MOF script that then was carried forward ever after. And then you also have a record of why it was changed. Mm -hmm. Yeah, when it was done, all of those sorts of things. Wow, it's almost like we're grown-ups, Missy. This is crazy. <laughs> IT ops is grown-ups. Woohoo! Yeah, oh, who knew? I thought we were just happily sitting in the back room making fun of people. And clicking next, next, next. Yes, that's the job. Sometimes I even changed the CD. <laughs> I was going to say disc, but nobody knows what I mean anymore, right? You mean the save icon? Yeah, the save icon. I can easily see a way where we'd end up with a moth per machine. How do you get one moth multiple machines if they're not absolutely identical. So you can actually use DSC to define a role specific configuration mm -hmm. and which would make one moth file for the role and then apply that to multiple machines. So that's one way to keep your moth file sprawl nice. Yeah. In control. Yeah. The urban sprawl of moth. Yeah, but I, again, I do think you're going to end up with a few unique MOFs or only a couple of instances, like a pair of DHCP servers might be relatively low scale. But I like the idea of I have one MOF for web server, 
role, but there's many different kinds of web servers. So I have an ability to sort of say for this web server, this variation. You could probably, your best option there is maybe, and I know in in the DSC book, we don't really recommend this, Mm -hmm. but I've talked to some people who are actually using partial configuration somewhat successfully in that you can maybe define a operating system base role in a partial configuration and then layer pieces on top of it. Okay. The key to making, in my opinion, partial configurations work is that the teams, if you have different teams building those things, say you have one team that is building the operating system off and you have another team that's building your DHCP piece or you have another team that's building your web server piece, the key is really communication and testing and making sure that you are building all of those pieces together in some sort of release pipeline before you deploy it. Because with partial configurations, the pieces are actually compiled when you deploy the configuration to your servers. It's not happening ahead of time in that MOF build. It's happening at runtime. So you actually need to make sure that you've tested all of those pieces together, make sure there are no conflicts because you can't have conflicting settings within your partial configurations and make sure all of that is well tested through your release pipeline before you go to production. There's so much developer terminology here because Integration is the hard part. I can have three developers working on three different pieces of the same module, and integration is where it's going to be hard. And I think you described exactly the same thing for the configuration of a server. And that's a tough concept for IT professionals is developing these things and not developing it in a vacuum and being able to communicate with you know, the the other teams that you need to integrate with. And, okay, I'm going to set this setting. Well, I need that setting. How do we resolve these things? Right. How do we get along in that particular case? Missy, give me one second here to pay the bills. Have you looked at Google Cloud Platform yet? GCP supports Windows Server 2008, 2012, 2016, as well as SQL Server 2012, 2014, 2016 standard, web, and enterprise editions. Your developers can build their ASP.NET applications directly on Google Cloud Platform with Visual Studio integration. Prefer containers? Google Cloud Platform is the original Kubernetes container environment. And if you need help, GCP has a great set of partners, including Capgemini, Nudesic, and Magenic to help you get your workloads across. Go to gcp.runasradio.com to get your free trial today. And you're listening to Run As Radio. I'm talking to Missy Janusko. And we're talking a little DSC book, Desired State Configuration, and published on LeanPub. You get to set your price within certain guidelines, and the book continues to be updated. Obviously, PowerShell 6 coming up, so that's going to have some impact on on that book. And the endless stream of DS resource kit updates means perpetually a moving target, but not not in a bad way. You know, it's, it seems to be only getting better. This whole idea of partial configuration, of course, new to five. So it's a relatively young feature. I'm hoping six will probably turn that up a bit that we can get into this, hopefully a more manageable hierarchy of dependencies. So we don't have to be quite so clever on how we build out stuff to, to get everybody's configuration working together. That would be an interesting concept to see if they are going to change how partial configurations come together in, in PowerShell 6. I'll have to look into that. Yeah, I hope so. I hope so. Because it, this is not the only tool out there. I mean, 
You can't argue with the price of PowerShell and DSC, but the chefs and the... Free. You can't argue with free. It comes with the operating system. Uh, kind of unavoidable. But you've got the chefs and the and the puppets out there too. Like there's there's other tools that are not as free. Chef, you know, chefs certainly open source these days, but uh, you know, there's there's an ability to spend some money on it. And Puppet has some open source pieces as well. Mm-hmm. So there are, you know, you only spend so much. I, I guess that's true, but they make their living off of support and cloud services and things like that. Are they a more polished product? Have you spent any time with those guys? Or are you all DSC all the time? I am actually starting to learn a little bit more about both Chef and Puppet, mm-hmm. just simply because I want to be able to compare and contrast DSC to other products that are out there and know, you know, I, I kind of know what things. I'd like to see different in DSC. The poll server and how the poll server functions in DSC. Right. And and you know, you've you you talk to Jeffrey Snover and he'll tell you DSC is meant to be a platform, not tools. And the desire is that you are writing the tools that the you know, that DSC is the underlying platform and you're writing the tools. Right. But when you look at other products like Chef and Puppet, those tools may already be out there. Mm -hmm. And I believe both Chef and Puppet allow you to use DSC resources or DSC in some fashion inside Chef cookbooks or Puppet modules. Yeah, I I did a show a while back with uh, Steve Murawski before he joined Microsoft when he was still a chef guy. They talked about how Chef and DSC get along, that they, they can sort of play with each other to some degree. But the chef recipe mindset, in my mind, is, is pretty compelling if you're willing to spend the time to learn the tool in terms of organizing your, your stuff. It's just it seems that so much of this, and I think a lot of people think this way, is about clusters of servers. So if I don't have clustered servers, I don't need any of this. Well, that depends on what you mean by clustered servers. I mean... I guess, yeah. Sets of web servers that all share a common IP or some, some kind of load balancing strategy. So they, they really should all be the same. As much as possible. So you're talking about like the immutable servers, the ones that you can, what's the word, destroy and deploy. Yes, the the cattle mindset. So I, I have a server and it breaks or it's not functioning or I want to upgrade it. So I just tear it down and, and bring a new one. And these are all VMs at a minimum. So what do I really do? I light a new VM add it to the pool, have pulled the old one out and then just turn it off. It goes away. Or you have new ones just sitting there waiting to be swapped out right. for, you know, old release, new release. But the whole concept of immutable infrastructure and the destroy and deploy is something that I think you're going to see a lot more of throughout the IT profession. Yeah, I guess I, I feel like I want to sit with down with a network diagram of all the pieces for a substantial infrastructure and say how many of these things can actually be turned into cattle and how many of them are just going to remain pets. And I think it depends on, A, how your application is architected mm-hmm. because your application folks need to be thinking about, can I destroy this thing and not have the user experience destroyed as well? Right. Am I caching information that if I destroy my machine, my users get kicked out? Application developers need to be thinking about those things. And then we need to be defining, okay, how do we destroy it and deploy it? And that 
is going to be through something like DSC and configuration management because you can quickly bring up a new server with the exact same settings. Sure. Well, I, and you know, I'm, I'm immediately thinking e-commerce because that's the work I did. And we certainly set up environments. And this was more to do with how smart the load balancer was where it's like, okay, anybody who's currently doing a transaction on this machine, they get to finish or time out, but no new workloads go to that. New workloads go over to that machine. And eventually the old machine drains off and we can kill it. And you're going to define that as part of your release pipeline of what is the automation that I need in place in order to replace this thing without anybody knowing about it. Right. Now, I, I remember building one where we actually had an opportunity, you know, in between requests to move them to the new machine, you know, to the new version and update their current state to the new state. And then they couldn't go back, but that was fine. I just thought it was really weird to hear somebody happily, you know, finishing an e-commerce transaction and halfway through it, you know, adding items to the cart. The site changed, oh. but they didn't lose their cart. I just thought it was, it made more sense to let the person finish on the old instance than it did to switch them halfway through, even if we didn't drop the cart in the process. And I think some of the more difficult areas of to define immutable infrastructure are things like things that contain information like, mm -hmm. uh, and I was an Active Directory person for a couple of years, so I'm going to say Active Directory because you can't just destroy a domain controller and bring up a new one. No. There's a process that you have to go through to make sure that the infrastructure is cleaned out of that old one before bringing in the new one. And that's all part of your destroy and deploy methodology, right. but it all needs to be handled in code. Yeah. You don't, you don't do that by hand, but that, now we're talking active directory. So that's promote and demote. Would that be right? Terms? Right. Yeah. Yep. So I, I may set up a new VM and configure active directory, but then I have to promote it into the active directory world. So, and I'm wait because you kind of want it to all be synced too when a new AD comes in. And I actually think the destroy part is harder than the deploy part in the case of active directory, because you can always deploy a new domain controller with DSC. And that's pretty simple to do. It's the destroy part where you have to demote it and make sure that it's out. I don't necessarily know that there's a DSC resource that says, take this thing out. Right. And is it really done? That would be an interesting experiment for one of the DSC um, Active Directory resources is if you say ensure equals absent, does it actually take it out <laughs> cleanly? I've yeah. never even played with that, but now I'm going to be writing this down so I can go play with it later. <laughs> no, no, that's a great idea because I mean, the heck was just straight AD. What about the FISMO roles? Where are they? Like, what did it happen to be living on one of the machines you're trying to demote? That's true, because not all FISMO rules automatically transfer themselves. Right. I mean, I would hope it would block the process and fail the demotion. But you've got to be cognizant of it. You know, this is sort of the one of the evil things inside of AD is those FISMO rules are important. They can get broken. You should know where they are. And it's naturally a pettish thing as opposed to a cattle thing. Right. I might be able to make an array of AD servers cattle, but I'm going to end up with a couple of pets or at least, you know, a pig more equal. <laughs> They're special cattle. You almost have to define a process. Yeah. I, you know what? It's suddenly, I feel like you want two moths. You want a moth for general ADs and a moth for fizz mode ADs. Well, and now I'm like defining a configuration in my mind that handles that. This is where my mind goes. <laughs> right. 
Yeah, no, I love it because it's it's great th- stuff to think about. We we tend to think about DSC and so forth purely on the application side, web servers for serving up an app at scale for a set of customers and being able to do rolling updates, all good. When we start thinking about real infrastructure servers, you know, we've been advocating cattle for a long time. Active Directory is a great example because when you break it, everything is so broken. Just, you know, or DNS, you break DNS, you're really broken. Like there's a lot of stuff that's mangled. So it's, I think it's important when we think about these, you know, do we need a certain number of pets or how do we get more cattleish on these core infrastructure items? I think that's a great question. One I don't actually have the answer to. Well, and if it was an easy answer, it would be written down, right? Right. Like it's just, it's, it's fun for me to go through the thought process with you and just go, yeah, this is going to be hard. If there's anywhere that you want to put a, a little fence around your pet, it's there while you think very careful about what the, what the cattle version of that looks like. Applications, not that worried. I think it makes a ton of sense now for us to be very comfortable about bringing new VMs up. I mean, a rolling update of any application where customers are never dropped and we can actually put up a new version and the, and the customer just moves across. That's a, I, I always look, my attitude towards DevOps is what times do we throw a party? And a rolling update of an app where no customer blipped the entire time, go have a beer. Like you had a good day. No two ways about that. Uh, yeah, rolling updates to infrastructure. I'm really want to be careful. Like it's one of those nerve wracking things. Oh, I used to be, when I would upgrade Active Directory, I'd be literally like shaking the whole time. <laughs> See, that's the correct, I think that's the correct amount of fear. If you're not afraid, you don't understand what you're up against. Like I'm, I'm more scared of a person who's fearless around AD than about someone who's tentative. Like we have to be careful. This needs to be tested. You know, that, that, that gives me more confidence than someone who's, who is, you know, don't worry, this is going to be fine. I really don't think it could be. There's a lot of bad things can happen here. Well, and like you said, if you, if your active directory is down or broken, you're really having a bad day. Yeah everything's broken. You're now fielding calls from all sorts of teams on all sorts of things because they think their product is the thing that's busted and what it is is the core infrastructure. You might as well have switched off the network. You're just as busted. Yep. Uh, so what's obviously, what's next for you? The next next version of the book coming, next version of PowerShell coming, more DSC features. Uh, are we up to version five for the Windows management framework now? Yep. And version six, I think, is supposed to be coming by the end of the year, but I, I'm not up on the exact release dates if there is one. Well, I think everybody's holding on. Are you going to be at Ignite? Because I suspect Ignite is when we're going to hear about a lot of this stuff. I will not. I guess I'll have to watch some of the announcements remotely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I suspect that's where things are going to happen, but uh, it tends to be the time when we get new versions of that. I know Mr. Schnover is going to be there, so... Uh, perhaps you'll have things to say. That's a good point. That's coming up at the end of the month. So end of September, maybe a week after the show comes out. So stay tuned because clearly we're going to have news soon. Hey, Missy, uh, a half hour has disappeared. Really fun to chat with you. I appreciate the work you've done uh, on this book. It seems like the foundational material for folks who want to really get going on DSC in a serious way. It is, and it's a great resource for you to get started. And if you have any feedback for myself or Don, as far as if you find something that you think is wrong or something that you might want to be added, you know, you can always send us feedback through LeanPub. And we're extremely responsive to all the emails that we get. So please send us feedback. Melissa, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. It's been a great time. 
and we'll talk to you next time on Ron As Radio.